These are just some of the amazing sounds of Perth that the residents of the city have contributed to Between the Desert and the Deep Blue Sea. It's a new symphony for Perth that will debut in March and we'll be playing some of composer Todd McCover's favourite sounds throughout these podcasts. You can hear his top 10 favourite sounds if you go to the website. Hello, I'm Vicky Frost and welcome to the Guardian Australia Perth Festival podcast. Tonight we're at a different festival in fact, we're coming to you from Fringe World, uh, that's Perth's Fringe Festival, quite young but growing fast. And tonight we're here in the Pleasure Gardens, it's quite late, we've all been seeing shows but still quite busy. I'm here with Jane Howard, hello. Hi Vicky. And with Van Badham, hello Van. Hello. Um, let's talk to Van about an Iliad. That's what you've been to see tonight before joining us here. How was it, Van? It was extraordinary. It's an absolutely beautiful rendition of Homer's Iliad done by an actor-performer called Dennis O'Hare. He's American. The, the producing company is American. And it's a sensitive, nuanced, beautifully realised one-man show. It's Dennis O'Hare performing the Iliad as a bard. He calls himself the poet in the play script. He plays all the characters, of course, although he does have some personnel help from a brilliant double bass player who's his only accompaniment on, on the stage. And the double bass player sort of appears as this sort of sprightly shadow, leaps out of the bushes. It's done in the sunken garden at the University of Western Australia and you really couldn't think of a better location and there were hundreds of people there tonight we're all in the outdoor seating just watching this man in this very simple very traditional performance of telling a story and he, he frames it that way as well and the, the beautiful thing he says because you know the the piece is about war it's about devastation it's about male pride and very powerfully so about male pride and he says at the beginning of the performance every time I tell this story I hope it will be the last time it's beautiful. Tell me how it is seeing a single performer perform to people outdoors because I find often single performers in that situation can get a bit lost actually. Presumably he's got enough presence to carry that. The charisma of Dennis O'Hare is extraordinary. Like he's just a really confident stage performer and he owns that stage. He moves seamlessly and his vocal technique is amazing. Like when he goes into like deep lyricism, like he's he's it's a musical performance he's very aware of beats and repetition and finding rhythm and finding flow and he's got such great musical support that he gets the right accentuation I mean it, it appears to be a very spontaneous performance the way that he's scripted it with Lisa Peterson who's his director and co-writer is it appears very offhand and you know making up as he goes along and it's obviously you know rehearsed within an inch of its life because the sound cues and the echo effects on his voice and you know various other like electronic effects and enhancements that they make to the piece it, it, it's it's powerful and captivating the lighting is very understated but it's just enough the props are very simple and suggestive he sort of comes out like an like a you know amdram performer from a regional tour of waiting for Godot, you know the sort of beaten up coat and beaten, beaten up hat and I must say when he first came on stage and I saw the bowler hat and the coat I just thought oh god no oh no there's a suitcase oh no there's like a there's like a piece of antique furniture and and a table oh god what's going to happen 
and he's just making the point that the most simple props are all you need to tell extraordinary stories and it's epic in scope and ambition and his performance is epic as well. Um, An Iliad runs until the 26th of March and you can also catch it at Adelaide Festival next month. Yeah, so it's great to see a retelling of a classic, especially one that's done with so much energy and enthusiasm. And I know there are lots of classics being redone at this festival. And I heard a rumour that you saw Midsummer Night's Dream. Is it true? I did see it. Well, I sort of saw it, to be honest. Um, I saw um, A Midsummer Night's Dream, As You Like It, uh, last night, which is a Russian production directed by Dmitry Krimov. Um, It's fascinating. It's gorgeous. It's basically the tale of Pyramus and Thisbe, um, with his interpretation of the rude mechanicals um, and there's a couple of acrobats a, uh, they have a stage dog some stage hands and then actually a couple of really beautiful opera singers you know it really blends that high culture and low culture um, on this very very bare set and Primus and Thisbe are these five meter high uh, puppets made of seemingly whatever was hanging around um, and it's quite knockabout, the humour. There's an on-stage audience who basically heckle the mechanicals all the way through um, and have phone conversations and interrupt to tell their anecdotes. And, you know, there's so many reasons why this shouldn't work and it should be a big gimmick, but it's actually absolutely charming and hysterically funny. This I've laughed and laughed and laughed. It was brilliant. Um, it's performed in Russian with surtitles. And even though it's sort of got all this knockabout humour in it, it also has something really quite gorgeous and profound to say about love. Um, Absolutely charming production. I loved it. Hi, my name is Rachel. I'm from uh, Mount Lawley in Western Australia. And you're listening to the Guardian Australia Perth Festival podcast. So that's what I saw last night, while Andrew P. Street went to Middle of a Three-Way Mix, which uh, yesterday on the podcast, he was a bit pessimistic about this show. I'm just going to say, for the record now, I wasn't pessimistic about this show. I was the only voice of reason in this conversation. Anyway, he went to court in the Middle of a Three-Way Mix, and he had a bit of a change of heart. I had my doubts about how the show was going to work. I, I wasn't 100% clear on exactly what they were going to do. Uh, I stand corrected. It was packed. It was an absolute party vibe. It was a remarkably... It was probably the single vibiest thing that I've seen at the festival uh, during the entire time I was here. The impression that I'd gotten from, from what I'd read about it was that they were going to try and recreate the Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique using the samples uh, that were originally used to build the record, which was not what they were doing at all. They were doing a DJ set using the tracks that were originally sampled. And so they were letting things breathe, they were dropping stuff in different orders. It was a really exciting show and it was just a, a, a hell of a great DJ set uh, using amazing tracks. If you want to hear Andrew's full review of that show, head along to the live blog at theguardian.com slash au. Back to this evening's performances. I'm joined by Jane Howard, newly arrived in Perth. Hello, Jane. Hi, Vicky. And what have you been seeing this evening? Uh, Tonight I went to see Bianco, which is a circus piece from a British theatre company called No Fit State Circus. And the central conceit of the show is that you stand up and you're sort of shepherded around the space as they change it. And as a central idea, that works 
quite well. It's fun to walk around. It was best in Act 2 I stood next to the band and I had a bit of a dance. But other than that, it kind of falls down a bit. The conceit means they're really limited in the scope of what they can do. It's a lot of aerial work. And also the dramatological elements to it are really a bit naff. So I left a bit disappointed. Tell me about the aerial work. This seems to me, seems a perfect idea because every audience member can basically find their perfect vantage point to watch the aerial work above them. And I always find that a bit frustrating when I go to circus. That sometimes I'm not really seeing it in the best way. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot better in Act, act 1. I ended up near, quite near the doors but Act 2 I went around to the other side and there was a lot of space to move around and it was fun to be able to find your, the right spot to see it and it, some of the work was incredible but once you've seen three people do the same trapeze tricks you kind of want them to find something new. The ending was quite incredible it was a really beautiful moment with a woman on a trapeze and there was fake snow falling and it just this, it was this beautiful image but then also that kind of left me feeling a bit cheated like they left me on this most amazing note and why did I have to wait the whole show to get there Bianco runs until the 1st of March read more about that show and others at Guardian Australia so we're sitting here in the lovely Pleasure Gardens and I've been having a bit of a moment, you know, enjoying the beautiful weather and underneath the red lanterns. Now, I believe you had a bit of a red lantern evening with the Fringe Show. <laughs> Tell us about it, Frost. That's a great link. <laughs> uh, I went to see Red Bastard tonight, so I did go to see Fringe. Um, Red Bastard was a bit of a Marmite show um, at Edinburgh last summer. Um, got some amazing reviews and some other people really hated it. Vicky, we're in Australia. That'd be a Vegemite show. <laughs> Performed in Britain. Marmite, I think. So um, I went along tonight. Basically, it's kind of um, clowning self-help. It's a very angry clown, basically, who is going to try and give you some very aggressive self-help um, in sort of... Uh, theatre of life coaching if you like I mean I hate it as a conceit I've got to say I think it's awful before I even began I was, I've seen the poster he's done Adelaide a bunch of times and I've never once been tempted by the marketing or the name well this is actually that's sort of my feeling about it is I just if I hadn't been reviewing I just would never have gone to this I think and I don't know why you would go to this because it's basically a man shouting at you for a while trying to make you do things and they're not even clever things. They just seem pointless things to me. You know, it's kind of like, tell me your dreams. Well, why would I tell you your dreams? You're just an angry man in a ridiculous costume. It just doesn't make sense to me as a show. It's not that I hated it. It's just that I didn't... I just couldn't see the point of it, to be honest. But I couldn't. It was utterly pointless. Well, he, he certainly stands out on his posters. I have a problem with this as well. So he basically, just, just to add to my problems with the show, sorry. But he, he's basically sort of in this kind of, um, well, an enormous red onesie, really. And it's all kinds of, I mean, no, he is actually an enormous red onesie. It's not like me being rude. That is what he's wearing. And it's sort of padded all around his middle and his bum. So he's got like a massive bum and a big tummy. And it's sort of a white painted face with red eyes. And again, why? I mean, it's kind of, I understand that it's like a nod to clowning and all that, you know. But actually, it sort of, it sort of suggests that the show is something more than it is, which is just someone 
I just don't think it's clever in any way. I think it's quite easy to be mean to people and shout at people and create that feeling of uncomfortableness. I mean, you know, to kind of create a show where everybody feels very uncomfortable in the audience and is then pushed into doing things they might not ordinarily do for fear. I mean, I just don't think that's a particularly complicated idea, really. I think it's... And I don't... I just think... It sounds like most families' Christmas. Like... It's just people trapping people in a space and making them uncomfortable. That's staying at home with mum and dad. It's just your really, really bitter friend who thought they were going to be famous and weren't. That's what it feels like to me. Hi, my name is Caroline. Hi, my name is Maddie. I'm listening listening to to the Guardian's Perth Festival podcast. Festival podcast. So I haven't had a great festival experience today, but Andrew Frost has had a rather better time. He's been looking at Paramedelic and the Tenth Sentiment, which are a pair of exhibitions at the John Curtin Gallery. One of the shows, uh, Paramedelic Graffiti, is by a duo who go under the name Paramodel. And they're two artists, Yoshihiko Hayashi and Yusika Nakano. And they have produced an incredibly intense visual experience, which is made up all well entirely of uh, blue plastic toy train tracks, uh, plastic toys, uh, toy trucks, uh, garbage trucks, and cranes, and a load of sculpted styrofoam. And when you walk in there, it it, it really you know just captures your imagination the way they've built this. Uh, series, I guess, of dioramas of of the train track uh, wending its way around the gallery space and in between the loops that the the track made makes are these sculpted mountains and in amongst all of that are these trains uh, and in amongst all of that are uh, toy animals, little plastic toy animals and all of these trucks and cranes and so on. But the thing that's quite stunning about the piece is that the longer that you spend in the space, the more you start to realize that it is in fact a very psychedelic experience. The pattern creates a visual repetition through the space which goes from the ceiling onto the walls and onto the floor. And it is absolutely enveloping. You are in that space in a way that I can only really uh, compare to a drug experience. It's like being in a visual zone of, you know, just a psychedelic freak out. It's quite stunning. If you go to the website, actually, you can see a video of Andrew uh, at this <laughs> artwork. Uh, but I would recommend it because, you know, I'd talked about, we talked about it, I'd read about it, I, so I knew some stuff about it. And it wasn't until I saw that video that I really understood actually what this artwork was because you start to realise the scale of it and that, and that real, like, enveloping kind of thing. It's, it's a fantastic piece in the festival context because the image that's been used to promote the show on the website and in the various programs is very, is very colourful and really captures your eye. You want to look at it and sort of try and understand what it is that you're looking at. But it doesn't really do justice to the three-dimensional nature Not of the all. experience. Yeah, I was really surprised when I saw it and I was kind of like, whoa, I just didn't think that was what it was at all. Um, and tell us also about this other piece that's at the John Curtin Gallery. This is The Tenth Sentiment by Raita Kuakubo. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is the other show at the Curtin Gallery, uh, and it shares with Paramodel uh, an interest in miniatures and models. But the way in which these two different exhibitions go about what they do couldn't be more different. Uh, Kuakubo's work is essentially uh, what appears to be a tiny train set 
in, in, a, in a darkened room and uh, there's a train engine uh, which I from my nerdish childhood uh, memory can tell you is an N scale train set that makes it way its way along a very tiny track at very very slow pace through the darkened room but it has an extremely bright LED white light on it and what happens is as the train makes its way along the track the white light passes tiny objects which have been placed right next to the train track and the light causes shadows to be cast on the wall and so you know if you've ever played with toys and used a torch you can make these enormous shadows from a tiny object and what the artist has managed to do is create a journey through a virtual landscape so little blocks of wood become entire cities uh, you know a ball of of cotton wool becomes a forest uh, you know light globes become you know tracking stations a couple of waste paper baskets become a nuclear power station and you are absolutely entranced by this. Interestingly, Kuokubo is a, uh, a professor of new media art and what he's really interested in is the idea of the virtual space. But rather, rather than using electronics to create an immersive experience, he's used the most basic of all art uh, making materials, which is just light and shadow. And one of the magical things about this piece is that the, the illusion is revealed to you as you're watching it. You work out pretty quickly how it's been done. But the thing that is that, that I found absolutely fantastic is that you didn't care. It just seemed to make that magic all the more amazing. You can catch both these shows until the 17th of April. To hear and see more about them, make sure you head along to the live blog at theguardian.com au. That's all from this podcast. We're going to go off and enjoy the pleasure gardens. Thank you very much, Jane. Thanks, Vicky. And thank you, Van. And see you tomorrow. Thanks, thanks. I've got a big day tomorrow. I can't wait. For full coverage of Perth Festival in text, audio, video and pictures, head to guardian.com slash au.